0: Welcome to the Denver Deep Dive Podcast. We are your hosts, Charlie Cummings and Lorenzo Gonzalez. Thanks for joining us. Our focus is on bringing awareness to the expert knowledge, passion, and personalities that have been and continue to be part of Denver's vibrant growth. We'll be exploring commercial real estate, cryptocurrency, cannabis, food and beverage, and health and wellness, along with the experts operating enthusiastically in each space.
1: Every episode will showcase the individuals impacting these arenas, what they see as industry participants and what new insights you can take away for yourself and your current ventures. We know we aren't the only shamelessly curious people out there, so if you love learning for its own sake, you're in the right place. Follow us on social media, wherever you consume your podcast. Uh, Welcome Kyle to our podcast. Uh, So just to give you some background, Kyle is in the food and beverage space, uh, also restaurant consulting with Crafted Solutions. Um, I met Kyle at Zeppelin Station uh, probably a few months ago, where he was a GM. Um, Kyle is an established industry professional with 18 years of extensive experience in operations, hospitality, concepting, and menu development. Uh, his experience spans from the Midwest Colorado Pacific, North, Pacific Northwest where he owned a restaurant. Um, Kyle has a strong work ethic and leads with a deep sense of empathy. Uh, hospitality, guest, and empl- employee retention are key elements to be an industry leader for Kyle so uh kind of welcome to our podcast
2: thanks for having me guys <laughs>
1: um so how did you get into the space how did you get into the restaurant space what was your kind of story to it
2: uh um i had to pave my way through college somehow um <laughs> parents booted me out at 18 off to college and said you know you got to figure it out um so i kind of asked around before i went up it was about an hour and a half away from where i grew up um, where i was going to college in wisconsin and Talked to all my, you know, high school teachers and stuff that went to went to college there and said, you know, what's where's the spot to, to work? What's the best restaurant? And there's this little place called The Buck and it was a dive bar slash restaurant. Typical awesome staple Midwest place um, where all the teachers and grad students hung out and stuff. And I went before college started about a month beforehand and they hired me with no experience as a bartender. Um, and I think I was the only bartender, not 21. You can bartend at 18 in Wisconsin. So, um, it was very advantageous. I quickly just latched onto it in the hospitality side. I mean, I got half of my grades across the bar from my professors there, you know, here's a free drink, (laughs) boost me up to a B plus kind of thing. Um, so it just kind of showed me, you know, the relationship building and, um, the money to be made and the fun to be had. And. Uh, it was the perfect spot to kind of get, get my feet wet and get started for sure. And that was yeah 18 years ago. So, so you
1: went to Seattle. So how did that start? How did your restaurant concept start there?
2: Um, I had some friends in Colorado before I moved to Seattle that had worked at this place called the frontier room in downtown Seattle. Uh, the owners also own queen city grill, which is a very staple Pacific Northwest fine dining restaurant right next door. And this was a, uh, concept modeled after blue smoke in New York. So like high end barbecue with a late night, uh, piece to it. Yeah. It was a beautiful spot. So I was hired before I even moved there. These guys called the owners and, uh, it was gangbusters. I mean, it, you know, you make three nights, four nights a week, you're making 75 to a hundred thousand dollars a year. And that was like my first like, Holy cow, like big cities. There's a lot of money to be made in this industry. Um, and so decided to buy a house in a neighborhood not far from there was looking for like a daytime or a, a weekend job uh friday saturday uh, a new restaurant that opened in the neighborhood i bought my house in kind of a french uh american style restaurant and i, I realized then like the true burnout like you're doing operations it was my first time running a restaurant you know working 80 hours a week trying to start a family owning a house and i loved it but just isn't conducive to family life and so when i left there about after a year and a half two years i realized you know i'd invested in uh, a marriage and a house and i needed to make some changes and when i left um i realized well the my regulars and, and clientele from that place wanted to see me do something on my own so i wanted to do something small in a developing neighborhood that didn't have anything around it and have something that was easy to manage so people could actually have a life outside of work and so i've had that restaurant it's called local it's in a residential neighborhood in west seattle for eight years now and most of the employees have met their significant other others there have gotten married have started families and the retention of my staff up until the spring has been 90 percent of my staff have stayed over the eight years and been able to have these families and not just work all the time. So that was like the the root of that restaurant and family and, and community. And uh, it, it proved to work. And it's great to see these people start families and actually be able to be productive uh, humans in society and not just workhorses and burnt out alcoholics, you know. So yeah, it's been fun.
1: That seems to be the issue, though, in the industry. How do you retain? How do you retain employees? In this? It's, it's a really tough, tough industry to stay.
2: It is, um, especially now more than ever, because there's so many restaurants opening. So, you know, people jump ship all the time because grass is always greener on the other side, right? And the industry is so up and down. You have a couple slow weeks and then they're like, oh, shit, I'm not making enough money. I got to go somewhere else. Um, you know, it really comes down to the, the empathy piece and treating your employees uh, well. But also, I think one of the biggest factors is having an owner operator that's, Leading by example, and that's something you don't see very often. And I feel like that's how I've been able to live in Denver and have a restaurant in Seattle because I was there all the time. And those people saw the standards of how things get done and how you treat people and how things on from open to close are done every day. And it, leading by example is and having a leader in any environment, I think is is key. A mentor um, and unfortunately in 18 years of doing this i've only had a couple people that i can think of that i could actually say were good mentors that put me in the right direction
1: so how would you say those mentors have given back you know besides just giving you advice on hey you know these are some things but how would you say a true mentor in the restaurant uh, industry would be valuable to somebody getting into it let's
2: yeah um willing to coach willing to teach being patient Um, I'm at metal art kitchen now, which is one of my favorite restaurants in the city. And Josh is the, one of the owners and the head chef there. And, uh, when I first started helping him out, I was on the expo line, you know, expediting food and listening in with chef and it's a small kitchen. It's four people back there on a Friday, shoulder to shoulder. And, you know, there's 20 tickets in the window and a full restaurant. He's like calmly coaching the other three, you know, chefs back there and to see him calmness and just collectiveness and he's like that every day through prep teaching these guys and you know they, they work with a lot of ex-cons and like getting people on their feet and like giving them the skills to actually have a career and it's successful because of him you know it's him back there calmly mm-hmm. coaching these guys through a busy dinner service as where most restaurants are just yelling and out of control you know and just a shit show every night and you're just happy to get through dinner service, you know, the professional restaurants that do it right is similar to the way Josh runs his kitchen there. And it's just inspiring to see. I've, I've never seen anything that fluid, um, on a busy dinner in 18 years. So
0: that's really cool. Cause I think one, I remember when I was much younger, 18, 19, I was in LA working as a trainer and I had a colleague of mine always busy, just Mm -hmm. always doing well. I remember thinking, I said, what the hell is this guy doing? So I asked him, I'm like, Hey man, you gotta tell me like, what's your secret, right? honestly dude and he's like i give a shit right i really give a shit right like, i'm not just doing this because i want to make money to go have fun it's like i really care about these people right uh, that's really cool to hear because i think i mean i i've seen many examples of that where you walk in you're like dude this place is nuts i can't possibly survive this but then you see someone that's like this person might not have a life if this doesn't work out i'm going to really right give them a lot of attention that's, that's right.
2: really cool to hear. yeah i think it goes with your employees and just you know the the customers the guests and that's one thing that i think i do well or is my my number one attribute is i actually make long lasting engaging connections and i don't feel like a lot of people do in any hospitality or service industry you know it's like you guys that relationship if you build it and it's more than just a surface you're going to get repeat business you know for the rest of your career out of it because these people trust you so building that trust um, teaching people things, you know, when they come in that they didn't already know, giving them some valuable assets to take with them. Cause when it's a competitive market in any field, it's how do you, anybody can build a beautiful restaurant and create beautiful food, but if the service and the engagement and the connections not there, then you're in it for the wrong reason. Cause like you said, you actually give a shit, you care. And I try to touch every person that comes into the restaurant, uh, touch the table and, you know, if they don't want to talk, that's also a very important thing to understand because, right. right. you know, if you're in a intense conversation and, you know, with your partner or whatever and you just don't want to be bothered, you just want to order your food and sit and that's great. But being good at what you do is realizing that right off the bat. But the people that do want to know about the food, the people that do want to know about the neighborhood and, you know, I think people that are visiting is, are my favorite people to talk with. Mm-hmm. I mean, every night I'm writing a list of places to go and things to do in the city, you know. So nice. they remember that and they come back um well, yeah that's
1: exactly why i came back to the station a lot i was always looking for you too right just...
2: <laughs> yeah where is he <laughs> but a familiar face right yeah. like that's yeah. what brings me back like i don't go out to a lot of new restaurants very often because i know what restaurants i have people i know and i know i'm going to get good service and i'm going to get good food and i have a hard time straying away from that i guess Uh creature of habit of knowing it's going to be a good experience so
1: So, so where do you see this uh, food hall concept going now? This has been a big thing in Denver and all over now. It's not just Denver. It's been going on for the past, you know, several years now, but where do you see it going kind of next as far as how that looks, how that model looks or is going to be different in this city or anywhere else?
2: I mean, it's such a new, it it is and it isn't, um, you know, Europe, the markets, this thing, these things have been around for a long time, you know? So it's, having lower overhead for startups and businesses that wouldn't normally have the capital to open a brick and mortar restaurant, similar to a food truck. Yeah, it's, and it's in a space that should have high traffic, right? So the technology is getting there. Uh, That was one thing that was pretty cool to see at Zeppelin Station between Toast and RSI and like having the actual fluid technology to help support an operation that big is is key. Um, You know, it makes sense in high densely populated neighborhoods with offices and such, because people want options. You know, you're going out with 10 office employees and not everybody wants pizza. So (laughs) having options, everybody can pay on their own. You don't have to split tickets. Like it's quick, it's efficient, you know, fast, casual, but with an elevated uh, food piece to it. Yeah, you're gonna see at least half a dozen of these pop up by the end of next year in the Denver Metro area. Um, And there's definitely a demand for some expertise in those fields. Um, to be done right. I still think they have a long ways to go to actually being successful in good business models. Um, But if the people are there and the volume is there, it should work. Um, Do you think it's
1: really a good test market to see if, hey, if this works here, now we can do our own brick and mortar. Now it makes sense. Do you think, or, or some are really just like, we just want to be in the food hall concept. We don't really actually want to take it to an- another level.
2: A lot of it's it's either or. It's either they have a brick and mortar and they don't necessarily want to open a full brick and mortar second restaurant, but they want to have market presence in a different neighborhood, mm-hmm. then it makes sense. You know, you're talking, you know, it's $50,000 compared to half a million to $2 million. Right. You know, from a brick and mortar to doing a food truck or, you know, a food stall somewhere. So, yeah, I think it's advantageous for the operators. Um, if it's the right space, you know, um, but yeah, it's, it's really cool. The Zeppelin station concept is great with the commissary kitchen and seeing the sense of community because the food stalls are all separate, but they're all interconnected. So, you know, one restaurants getting their butt kicked and a chef from the other restaurant will come and help out. And it, it did build a sense of community that I have not seen before. Um, yeah, and it's it's cool when you're in it together with a bunch of other operators. I mean, ultimately, you're all competing against each other as well. So it adds that, you know, kind of top chef, like who's going to win, who's going to bring the most sales today, you know, kind of deal. So, um, but yeah, everybody's pushing each other to be better, which I think is ultimately what these food stalls, if they're set up properly, like Zeppelin Station is, I think that could be, it's, it's fun to see. Well,
0: and the thing is, that I'm, that I'm kind of giving a sense of, too, is there. there's a real power to creatively fostering community. Because mm-hmm. you know, in a concept like this, people are bumping into each other a lot. And if you're oh, facilitating yeah. that within a the neighborhood, there's a lot of cool side effects. I mean, and it makes me curious, like, was there a point where you recognized the power of bringing people together in this way? Because it's a very powerful thing. I mean, you mentioned that people have met their significant others. Like, that's, that's no small thing to meet someone that you say, I want to attach myself to you as long as we're both alive like that's
2: right yeah it's something on multiple levels i mean you see it in cities i saw it in seattle the sense of community and you know that was something that denver didn't have and is starting to get is these microclimate neighborhoods are getting identities you know mm-hmm. it's not just a, sub- a suburb like you go down to old town arvada All the restaurant people know each other they know all the regulars it's a sense of community if you run out of something at your restaurant you know you can walk down the street and get it from your neighbor you know and it's that same concept of having all the food stalls within one roof seeing that in west seattle like it got to the point where we're all small independent business owners but we wanted massive buying power So we did an underground restaurant coalition with like eight restaurant owners, some of which were James Beard award-winning people. And we met once a month. We were able to pull all the sales data from all the restaurants and keep it blind. So we pulled all the data from all of our restaurants together into each category on a P and L, you know, linen and dry cleaning and cable and like whatever it was, all of our variable costs. And we were able to go to these companies and be like, here's what we do together not just as a little independent restaurant. So what are you gonna do for us? And, you know, we built a family that way of, you know, this underground network that we met once a month and we were able to do some really good things because of it. And that was another just fact of how that community was, the good restaurants, the people that cared, that were active, came together to to support what we were all trying to do. And that's just serve the best food and have the best Mm -hmm. spots in town. So. Yeah, it was fun
0: well just to 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 have you sell that idea a little bit more because there there are people who are fiercely competitive but in a way that's like segregating and off-putting and, and mm-hmm. it's a very different thesis to think of how do i bring my quote-unquote competitors together versus let me distance myself from them what would you say to someone who who like doesn't see the value of that
2: i mean they're putting themselves on an island So, I mean, you isolate yourself, you're only as strong as that, you know? So it's definitely a much harder road. Um, I don't know. It's hard to see that side. I mean, I've known people like that and usually they don't succeed. I mean, if they have the best, whatever the best, you know, pasta or whatever in in the city and they're just always going to be busy and they just want to have that attitude about it then awesome. Like you're doing it on your own. Great. But I've also seen chefs that are an amazing chef and their restaurants not succeeding. So, and then watching them change and and use the support of their community to make it through that hard time, it's easier that way. Um, and just more satisfying, gratifying as, as a human being to have that sense of community rather than isolating yourself. But yeah, much riskier, I think, for sure, if you're gonna just be on an island by yourself. And there's honestly, this is another, like just sore spot for me just in the industry. There's just no room for, for ego. Like that is one of my biggest pet peeves. I just don't give a shit what you've done. Or if you want to tell me everybody that, you know, and it's like, I don't care. It's like, how do your employees talk about you and you're not around? Like that to me is more important on your character. So there's a lot of ego in this industry, unfortunately. Um, But I feel like the successful places to stick around is, yeah, there's just not, they're not, that's not a priority for them. You know what I mean? It's, they speak by their food and the way they treat their people. So that goes a lot longer.
0: It's so funny because hearing you talk, it, it, it almost makes me think, because you, you're, you're painting a really, really cool, compelling argument for like, listen, man, be humble, collaborate, et cetera. It's like, why, like, why, why, why do we fight so hard to like, not just, we, we, we make being humble as like, a pill to swallow, like, you know, you get right. like, it, I, don't, it, I get the sense that it doesn't need to be this hurdle or obstacle. It's just you get more done quickly, you have a more meaningful impact, you have more significant relationships around you. Right. It, it's like, why? Like, I can't imagine why a person would really commit to fighting for any
2: other perspective. Right it's all priorities, you know, and is your priority only to make money and you'll do it at any cost? Or is it to build a sense of community and have the best restaurant in the city? And there's multiple ways of getting there and there's a right way and a wrong way. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, it's just, if, if you do something out of passion and love and empathy and all of the things that got you into it to begin with, if you lead with that, you should do well if you have the resources. Um, If you lead because you want just to be the cool bro that can buy his buddies drinks and run a restaurant into the grounds, you have a spot, you know, like that's usually those last a year if they're lucky. So yeah, you definitely have to have a story, um, a good directive and good resources to to do it. But yeah, that that goes a lot longer. I feel like, So people feel it you walk into a restaurant you know like is the person happy that's waiting on me at work today <laughs> or are they miserable like you know these are all things that good leadership can see and coach through and really set the presence and uh without that it's just you know you do see it in some bigger cities and i'm starting to see it a little bit in denver i'm not going to actually make the statement that it is that way in denver yet but like i just couldn't believe it seattle It's like just lack of service, lack of, it was the mentality and it was the first time I had seen it coming from the Midwest. It just, you just don't have bad service. Like people are just happy and caring and and living in a city, you know, where it rains seven months out of the year and people, a lot of people are just pissed off and antisocial. It's like the mentality of, oh yeah, you're going to wait for that drink because you can. And I'm going to make three, 400 bucks tonight, no matter how I treat you. So I don't really care. And so there was a yes. lot of room for good service. Um, and I think why I enjoyed it so much because people enjoyed it and came back, you know, I'd have a full section of regulars almost every Thursday, Friday night at the place in downtown Seattle. And so then it's not work to me anymore. Like I'm hanging out with my friends. Like these are people like, this is awesome. Like, um, but it's, it, yeah, it, it, I don't like that aspect of feeling that they don't want to be there. You know, but like, it is a
1: people's business, and maybe something like get into restaurants maybe aren't yeah. as people-oriented, right? You know, and that's a, whether you're on the front end or the back end, right. You have to well, you have to deal with personalities, mm-hmm. and it's a slippery slope because yeah, like there's a certain I think perceived
0: anonymity that we feel in a big city. Like if you're in a small town, in the Midwest, like you you're gonna see everyone that's mm-hmm. there. So like if mm-hmm. you're an asshole or if you're you're rude or you're complacent, like they're gonna you're gonna see that person tomorrow possibly. Yeah, if it's a big city, it's easy to justify like well the money's good not to do this person again like but then that starts i mean it doesn't end there like you start right. to justify like ah, they'll be fine like i'll make my three or four hundred dollars a night whether or right. not this guy likes me right um, and you might never struggle but it's like why wouldn't you find a way to right um, you know a little bit
2: yeah and i do feel like denver is on you know it is it, i get better service more than i do bad service which is good right. so you know denver is not in my eyes a big city it's trying to and it's getting there there's a lot of things that need to catch up to it but overall i think the restaurant scene is definitely being pushed uh from a culinary standpoint from a service standpoint um it's really hard to find good people right now because there are so many restaurants so it's it's going to be interesting to see where it goes but i think it's in it's on the right path and there's been a lot of people that have moved here as established restaurant tours and people pushing the scene um you know uh the whole Root Down, Linger, Ophelia's group has really kind of set the bar in Denver. Um, They treat their employees well. They have creative concepts. It's coaching and teaching throughout that whole entire time of getting people that are fresh in the industry and giving them the skills. Like you get hired if you go apply, if you work two years at Root Down as a chef or, you know, line cook. Like you're going to get hired because they know that you had the skills and they put the time into you. Granted, the money's probably it's it's not a glamorous job working in a kitchen or, you know, whatnot, but it's a gratifying job, you know, emotionally and learning these skill sets. It's an art form and that restaurant group has done a really good job on pushing that envelope for Denver, I think. The big one, I think. Yeah. That's cool.
1: So what advice would you have for somebody that is coming into this this market right now? you want to open up a restaurant, just kind of your your overall
2: uh, it's don't forget about the details. Um, I just did an interview with a construction company. It does a lot of the bars and restaurants in Denver. And, you know, the, the back end of opening a restaurant is a whole other conversation as far as budgeting and what to spend money on, what not to spend money on. I mean, the functionality of a restaurant is very important. You know, every seat is, you know, potentially 10 to $50,000, you know, so maximize seating flow, that kind of stuff is super important. But if you are opening a restaurant have a story like not just it's a restaurant we're opening like have an actual heartfelt story behind it and why it is what it is whether it ties into the name or the cuisine or your family history what it evokes emotion and um you know i got to spend some time with uh Massimo Bottura the number one chef in the world he was doing a, a food seminar with Rick Bayless and Alan Shaya for the slow food thing and He's a uh, dude it's a yeah, awesome, and like you know, and it's that man will if you like listening to him on you know top or uh, chef's table or you know anything that he's on or any videos that he's involved with, you'll realize this man leads with passion, and that's that's why he's the number one chef in the world.
0: I love that you said that because if there's one thing that I've walked away with in interactions with people that are genuinely passionate about the restaurant industry, these people it's the epitome of love of what you're doing and even if you're not like a food person or you don't work in a restaurant if you're someone that appreciates passion it's hard not to be like damn this guy like loves his life right like I appreciate that
2: people gravitate towards that too like your staff will I mean you will be successful if that is what you lead with Mm -hmm. I mean he was eating some of the gelato from gelato boy and like tearing up because it brought back memories of his childhood Like this man cares you know and he cares about his community and gives back to his community and alon shai is the same way he's flying down immigrants that were working at uh kamal the the food incubator and taxi he's flying these uh, immigrants down to new orleans and training them and like giving them some extra skill sets like he has no ego and he has passion just like uh that's if we get people like that in our city in this industry it will continue to push it in the right direction but yeah have passion have a story don't do it for the wrong reason there's enough cook, cookie cutter uh pizza wing and pubs around but that doesn't mean those concepts can't be good with passion in a story
0: well i think that speaks to and i don't know how true this is it's just what i observe in my environment so i could be way off base but it, it seems like we're moving in this direction where people are are, are craving more Substance and meaning. We don't want to just go eat, food.
2: right? It's like let's just go out there It's like, well, but like, where are we going to go and why
0: are we going to go there? Right. We're looking for meaning. We're looking for experience. We're looking for a sense of aliveness. And if you're someone who, you, know, you have a job that isn't like
2: bleeding with
0: passion, you go to a restaurant where you can sense
2: that everyone is that way. Like, right. It's kind of nice. Yeah. It's you know, we all work a lot. We all live in this you know kind of rat race of a society, and going to a restaurant should really change your whole day you know just being a hospitality empathetic driven person is you get out of that you sit down you shouldn't have to worry about anything you know and it's a whole experience it's you're on stage you're putting on a play you're serving this amazing food that has a story explaining the the details to it that's what you want and that's honestly what will separate you from the competition and that's what will keep those places in business and, and successful and make meaningful impacts you know from start to finish that's what makes me the most happy is having two people you know let's say a couple come in and just know that they had a bad day or a person comes in by themselves and is having a bad day and they leave with a smile and they know you by first name right. i mean it's you build regulars fast when you make those engagements and change their day that's what you should be providing to people so
0: right and until that point like there are people who like they're terrified by going out. They're terrified by new interactions, new places, and so if right. you can create like a haven of comfort in your building, right? I mean, that you you have no idea how much you just help that person like feel a little bit more comfortable in their own skin, like going right. out in public to your place.
2: Yeah, and dining solo, like my restaurant in Seattle, it's small and intimate. No TVs. It provokes you know interaction with people sitting next to you, and it you know we got rated one of the top best spots to dine as a single. And that, those are the people I hone in on. If you're by yourself, like, I'm going to spend time with you. I'm going to talk to you. Why are you here? Are you visiting? Like, you know, they, those people will remember you first and foremost, and they come back. That's awesome.
0: In uh, Danny Meyer's book, Sign the Table, that's a lot of what he talks about. Is like, I always look for the solo diners. Right. Because they didn't end up there by accident. No. Like, you don't trip and fall and end up by yourself. No there was some backstories like right why here why
2: now why by yourself right yeah i love that it's one of my favorite things to do is dine by myself yeah. and i do it on a weekly basis and it, i go to most of my regular haunts but <laughs> um it's i don't know it's just therapeutic for me i think
1: so kyle what's the best way people can get in touch with you
2: um Probably through my email, uh, it's craft, or kyle at crafted dot org o r g. Definitely, just getting this off the ground as a consulting company, being in this industry for almost twenty years, I've I see a lot of room for improvement and a lot of people that are reaching out and need help, um, and that's where I'm going to try to utilize my skill set to help keep the restaurant scene in Denver going the right direction for sure. Okay.
1: Well, we appreciate it, Kyle. Thanks for coming
2: out. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys.